0: We have a long scripture passage today, so like last week, you don't have to stand up because there's only 60 verses, uh, but there's no place you can start, no place you can stop. It's all about an interconnected series of events between Jacob and his wives and his daddy-in-law. But do be respectful because we're reading the Word of God. So turn with me, please, to Genesis chapter 30, verse 27. And we'll read through the 31st chapter. Genesis 30, 27. But Laban said to him, that is Jacob, If it pleases you, stay with me. I have divined, or noticed, that the Lord has blessed me on your account. And he continued, Name me your wages, I'll give it to you. But he said to him, You yourself know how I have served you, and how your cattle have fared with me. For you had little before I came. And it has increased to a multitude. And the Lord blessed you wherever I turned. But now when shall I provide for my own household also? So he said, What shall I give you? And Jacob said, You shall not give me anything. If you will do this one thing for me, I will again pasture and keep your flock. Let me pass through your entire flock today removing from there every speckled and spotted sheep and every black one among the lambs and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and such shall be my wages. So my honesty or righteousness will answer for me later when you come concerning my wages. Every one that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and black among the lambs, if found with me, will be considered stolen. And Laban said, Good, let it be according to your word. So he removed on that day the striped and spotted male goats and all the speckled and spotted female goats, every one with white in it, and all the black ones among the sheep, and gave them into the care of his sons. And he put a distance of three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. <clears throat> then Jacob took fresh rods of poplar and almond and plane trees and peeled white stripes in them, exposing the white which was in the rods. And he set the rods which he had peeled in front of the flocks in the gutters even in the watering troughs, where the flocks came to drink. And they mated when they came to drink. So the flocks mated by the rods, and the flocks brought forth striped, speckled, and spotted. And Jacob separated the lambs and made the flocks face toward the striped and all the black in the flock of Laban, And he put his own herds apart, and did not put them with Laban's flocks. Moreover, it came about, whenever the stronger of the flock were mating, that Jacob would place the rods in the sight of the flock in the gutters, so that they might mate by the rods. When the flock was feeble, he did not put them in. So the feebler were Laban's. And the stronger, Jacob's. So the man became exceedingly prosperous and had large flocks and female and male servants and camels and donkeys. Now Jacob heard the words of Laban's son, saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's, and from what we belong to our father he has made all this wealth. Jacob saw the attitude of Laban, And behold, it was not friendly toward him as formerly. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I'll be with you. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to his flock in the field, and said to them, I see your father's attitude, that it's not friendly toward me as formerly. But the God of my father has been with me. You know that I have served your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. However, God did not allow him to hurt me. If he spoke thus, the speckled shall be your wages, then all the flock brought forth speckled. As if he spoke thus, the stripe shall be your wages, then all the flock brought forth stripe. Thus God has taken away your father's livestock and given them to me. And it came about at the time when the flock were mating that I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream, and behold, the male goats which were mating were striped, speckled, and mottled. Then the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, and I said, Here I am. And he said, Lift up now your eyes and see that all the male goats that are mating, are striped, speckled, and mottled, for I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar, where you made a vow to me. Now arise, leave this land, and return to the land of your birth. And Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, Do we still have any portion or inheritance in our father's house? Are we not reckoned by him as foreigners? For he has sold us and has entirely consumed our purchase price. Surely all the wealth which God has taken away from our Father belongs to us and our children. Now then do whatever God has said to you. Then Jacob arose and put his children and his wives upon camels, and he drove away all his livestock and all his property which he had gathered, his acquired livestock, which he had gathered in Pandam-Aram, to go to the land of Canaan to his father Isaac. When Laban had gone to shear his flock, then Rachel stole the household idols that were her father's. And Jacob deceived Laban the Aramian by not telling him that he was fleeing. So he fled with all that he had, and he arose and crossed the Euphrates River and set his face toward the hill country of Gilead. When it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob had fled, then he took his kinsman with him and pursued him a distance of seven days' journey, and he overtook him in the hill country of Gilead. God came to Laban the Aramean in a dream of the night and said to him, Be careful that you do not speak to Jacob, either good or bad. And Laban caught up with Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched the tent, his tent in the hill country. And Laban with his kinsmen camped in the hill country of Gilead. Then Laban said to Jacob, What have you done by deceiving me and carrying away my daughters like captives of the sword? Why do you flee secretly and deceive me and did not tell me so that I might have sent you away with joy and with songs, with timbrel, and with lyre, and did not allow me to kiss my sons and my daughters. Now you've done foolishly. It's in my power to do your harm. But the God of your father spoke to me last night, saying, Be careful not to speak either good or bad to Jacob. And now you have indeed gone away because you long greatly for your father's house. But why did you steal my God's? Then Jacob answered and said to Laban, Because I was afraid, for I said, Lest you would take your daughters from me by force. The one with whom you find your God shall not live. In the presence of our kinsmen, point out what is yours among my belongings, and take it for yourself. For Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. So Laban went into Jacob's tent and into Leah's tent, and into the tent of the two maids, but he didn't find them. Then he went out of Leah's tent and entered Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the household idols and put them in the camel saddle, and she sat on them, and Laban felt through all the tent but did not find them. And she said to her father, Let not my lord be angry that I cannot rise before you, for the manner of women is upon me. So he searched, but did not find the household idols. Then Jacob became angry and contended with Laban. And Jacob answered and said to Laban, What is my transgression? What's my sin that you have hotly pursued me? Though you have felt through all my goods, what have you found of all your household goods? Set it here before my kinsmen and your kinsmen that they may decide between us two. These twenty years I have been with you. Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried, and nor have I eaten the rams of your flocks. That which was torn of beasts I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it myself. You required it of my hand, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. Thus I was, by day the heat consumed me and the frost by night, and my sleep fell lead from my eyes. These twenty years I have been in your house, I served you fourteen years for your two daughters and six years for your flock, and you changed my wages ten times. If the God of my father God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac had not been for me, surely now you would have sent me away empty handed. God has seen my affliction and the toil of my hands, so he rendered judgment last night. Laban answered and said to Jacob, the daughters are my daughters, and the children are my children, and the flocks are my flocks, and all that you see is mine. What can I do this day to these daughters or to your children whom they have borne? So now, come, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. Then Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. And Jacob said to his kinsmen, Gather stones. So they took stones and made a heap, and they ate there by the heap. Now Laban called it in Hebrew, uh, watchtower, but Jacob called it Galeed which means witness. And Laban said, this heap is a witness between you and me this day. Therefore, it is named Galeed and Mizpah. For he said, May the Lord watch between you and me when we are absent one from another. If you mistreat my daughters, or if you take wives beside my daughters, and although no man is with us, see, God is witness between you and me. And Laban said to Jacob, Behold this heap, and behold the pillar which I have set between you and me. This heap is a witness, and the pillar is a witness. But I will not pass by this heap to you for harm, and you will not pass by this heap and this pillar to me for harm. The God of Abraham and the God of Nahor, the God of their father, judge between us. So Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. Then Jacob offered a sacrifice on the mountain and called his kinsmen to the meal. And they ate the meal and spent the night on the mountain. And early in the morning, Laban arose and kissed his sons and daughters and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned to his place. If you think last week's text was unusual, what do you think about this text? It is a series of encounters between Jacob and his father-in-law, Laban. And they're just so interrelated, there's no way you can stop at one place and start at another. You just have to go through them all as quickly as you can. There's a lot of theology here. There's a lot of practicality here. You've got to be able to see the points that are made and why this passage is in the Bible. Why in the world? is this passage about Jacob and Laban in the Bible. And its main points are basically three. Number one, uh, Jacob's obedience. Jacob's faithfulness. Jacob's been a conniver before this, but now he's a different man. He's a man who shows his love for God with obedience and faithfulness, even at a cost to himself. He's willing to be faithful. That's the nature of the Christian life. The Christian life isn't I make a decision for Jesus and then do whatever I can here and there to be a good Christian. The Christian life is all about faithfulness. It's all about obedience to God. And so you see that in in Jacob. Secondly, you see in this passage as clearly as you want to see it that God is Jacob's protector. That God's going to protect him from anybody anywhere that do him the least amount of harm. That he God told Abraham, you remember? He said, Abraham, I'm going to be your shield. I'm going to be the shield of your family. And we see God here in chapters thirty and thirty-one and thirty two being Jacob's shield. He doesn't deserve a shield. He is not worthy of anything good from God. But God has protected him over and over from harm by his brothers-in-law, from harm by his daddy-in-law, by unwise decisions that he has made. So we see that when the Bible says that God is our shield, he really means it. And God can be your shield in this evil culture if you belong to him and if you're faithful to him. The third thing we've seen, In this passage, as we saw in the life of Isaac, and especially in the life of Abraham, that God blessed the faithfulness of Jacob with great wealth. He blessed the faithfulness of Abraham with great wealth. And he blessed the faithfulness of Isaac with wealth. Nothing wrong with wealth. Nothing wrong with having more wealth than other people have, as long as you recognize it for what it is. It's a gift of wo- uh, of God, and not of works, lest any man should boast. That wealth is God's way of blessing, graciously, and in an undeserved manner. The faithfulness of His people. Uh, we read a psalm this morning, Psalm sixty-seven. Go back to your house this afternoon and read Psalm 67. And it tells you why God blesses you, why God gives you things, why God gives you wealth, why God gives you more than what other people get. It is so that you can use those blessings to convert the nations of the world to him. Any blessing that God has ever given you, he has given you to use for the conversion of the nations. Have you? Or have you spent that blessing on yourself and your own ease and affluence? Go read Psalm 67. It says, God blesses you that the nations of the world might praise Him. And there's a fourth thing here. First thing is, we see clearly Jacob's faithfulness. We see, secondly, God's protection. We see, thirdly, that God often blesses faithfulness with wealth. And there's a fourth thing here. It takes up several verses. And that is, Laban accused Jacob of sinning against him. Laban's son's particularly accused Jacob of sinning against Laban. There was no truth in it whatsoever. And so Jacob not only defended himself, said, I have not sinned against you. Tell me. Tell me what the transgression is that I've committed against you. You can't think up one. But then he turns the table on old Laban. He says, well, since we're talking about this, let me tell you how you've sinned against me. Worked for you for years and years and years. Worked for you for 14 years to have your daughters. I worked for you six more years. And you've changed my wages 10 times. (laughs) Now, that doesn't literally mean 10. That means a lot of times. You've changed my wages a lot of times. And then he proceeds to rebuke Jacob for sinning against him. So if somebody accuses you of evil, somebody accuses you of sinning against them, you don't have to just stand there in embarrassment and say, No, I haven't, no, I haven't. Turn the tables say, not only have I not sinned against you, but I will tell you how you have sinned against me. And I call God as my witness this day to bring his judgment down upon either one of us if we're lying to lying to the other. Those are the basic points of this passage. Uh, Jacob's faithfulness God's protection, God's ability to bless people with wealth, and the way you treat arrogant unbelievers when they want to accuse you of false accusations and you stand your ground and show them where they've sinned against you. Well, let's look at some of these verses. Obviously, we're not going to look at all of them, but we're going to look at some. And I'm going to try to explain some of them, maybe not to your satisfaction, maybe not to my satisfaction, but let's look at some of these things. Uh, verse 27: Laban has finally found out that Jacob's taken his wives, which are Laban's daughters, Leah and Rachel, and all his grandchildren, and they're leaving. Because God told him to leave and go back to the land of Canaan. That's where Jacob belongs. The land of Canaan is Jacob's land by covenant. God said to Abraham, then he repeated it to Isaac, and then he repeated it again to Jacob I have given you this land, and it's yours to raise a Christian civilization on, to raise families build churches, businesses, a whole civilization to the glory and honor of God. Now remember, as we've said many times, don't just limit these promises that God made, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to them. He's not just talking about the literal Hebrews. Because he says, Abraham says, Isaac, and Jacob, are sons of promise. Unlike Ishmael, unlike Esau, these are sons of promise, the seed of Abraham that will be more numerous than the stars of the sky and the sand of the seashore, through whom every nation on earth will be blessed, and this whole land I will give to you. So if you turn to the third chapter of Galatians, not today, we've done it many times you turn to the third chapter of Galatians, it explains every one of those promises. If you think they just apply to Hebrews or they just apply to Jews, you're a racist. And there is no racism in the Christian gospel. The Bible says in Galatians, the third chapter, that Abraham is the father of all who believe Whether you're Jew or Greek, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you belong to God, and you're the seed of Abraham, sons of promise. So in all these chapters, in the first chapters of Genesis, talk about the sons of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as being the seed of Abraham. They're talking about the spiritual seed That's within the physical seed, Galatians 3. Because the seed of Abraham is anybody who believes in Jesus regardless of ethnic origin. What is that, a 20th time I've said that? I'll say it some more. Because it's one of the most important truths in all the scriptures. And when it says that through the seed of Abraham, that is Christ, and those who belong to him by faith, Every nation of the world is going to be blessed. With what? Galatians 3. It says every nation of the world is going to be blessed by the seed of Abraham with justification by faith in Christ alone and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And what's the land? Palestine was just a down payment. Romans 4 says that Abraham was heir of the world. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the meek, the tamed of God, for they shall inherit the earth. All these covenant promises to these old patriarchs back in the early days of Genesis, they're not about the Hebrews. They're not about the Jews. They contain the gospel. And the gospel is that the seed of Abraham, who is the Lord Jesus Christ, and all those who belong to him, regardless of ethnic origin, who will be more numerous, the stars, of the sky, and the sand, and the seashore, shall bring salvation and the gift of the Holy Spirit to all the families and nations of the world. Oh, and by the way, God gives the earth to the seed of Abraham. So who owns Palestine? Who owns the Mediterranean Sea? It's yours. Every square inch on this planet belongs to the people of God by covenant. And we claim that land by doing two things. I know I'm being repetitious. I'm doing it on purpose and not by accident. In order to use that land that God has given us, which is every square inch of this earth that belongs to, to Christians, no matter whether Jew or Gentile, we get it by dispossession and repossession. We dispossess the squatters. Right now, most of this earth that belongs to us is possessed by squatters. By people living on this earth to whom it does not belong. Now how we, do we dispossess them? we put them in concentration camps? We lead them to Christ. Present the gospel to them. And then in the place of those pagan cultures, Islamic cultures, in the place of those. We build cultures to the glory and the honor of God. So, Jacob knows that. So, Jacob is going back home. God told him to go back home. That's your land. That's what you're to claim for you and your sons and your daughters down through your generations. So, get back home. So, now we come to our text. And Laban says, There's just a problem with this, Jacob. I have divined, or I have noticed, that the Lord has really blessed me financially because of you. Because you've been in my family, I am a rich man. And God has richly blessed me because of your account. I don't want to see you go. I don't want to see you go back to Canaan. You're going to leave me high and dry. So just tell me some wage. What's some wage I can give you to reimburse you for all the things you've done for me? Jacob said, Now Laban is a shrewd old bargainer. He is a professional. But he's also dealing with a guy that's good at bargaining, too. And that is Jacob. And uh, Laban says uh, to Jacob, what can I give you as a wage to reimburse you for all this way you've helped me? Jacob said, I don't want any. Don't give me a wage. There's only one thing I want from you. If you do this for me, it will make you a wealthy man. And here's the weirdness. Weirdness of the Bible. Verse 32. Let me pass, this is Jacob talking, let me pass through your entire flock today, removing from there every speckled and spotted sheep and every black one among the lambs, and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and such shall be my wages. You can keep all the white goats. Now, there were more white goats than there were spotted and speckled normally. And uh, So in verse 33, he says, You'll see by my honesty and my righteousness that you can trust me in this thing. I'm not going to cheat, cheat you. I'm not going to try to change these wages. And if you see any white sheep or white goats in my flock of speckled and black and brown sheep and goats, you can assume I stole it from you. Because I'm going to be trustworthy. Verse 34 Laban said, okay, deal. Verse 35, so he removed on that day the striped and spotted male goats and all the speckled and spotted female goats, every one with white in it and all the black ones among the sheep, and gave them to the care of his sons. And he put a distance of three days journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flock. Then Jacob, this is second. there's two phases to this deal. The first deal, you keep all the white sheep and goats, I'll take the speckled and the brown, etc. Second phase, let me take some poplar branches and some branches of an almond tree and a plane tree, and let me peel off the bark. <laughs> of these branches so that the white appears and stripes up and down these branches. And then he takes these branches, these rods, with the bark pulled off, some of them all the way, some of them partially, and he puts them in front of the, of the flocks the drinking at the water troughs where the flocks came to drink. Now he did that because he knew that the flocks would be mating when they came to the water trough. He wanted them to see these white branches and stripped branches Because it was his opinion that those who saw the white branches at the water trough would bear more striped and speckled and black sheep and goats. You got that? Now, the amazing thing is, that's what happened. It happened just as Jacob said you give me all your speckles etc those, those will be the least number of the flock you keep all the white ones there will be more white ones obviously but let me put a, a branch stripped of bark in front of the water trough while they're drinking they'll be mating and they'll produce more speckled and black offspring Laban said you nut, sure, I'll agree with you on that. That's a deal. And that's exactly what happened. And so the stronger sheep, which are usually the white ones, were the speckled ones and the spotted ones. And so, verse 43, Jacob became very prosperous. What doctrine of the Reformed faith did get out of that event? Where did Jacob come up with this idea, by the way? It wasn't superstitious. Where did he come up with this guy, this guy? The next chapter tells us that God told him. God told him in the dream, Here's what I want you to do. And if you do this like I tell you, you are going to be a very wealthy man. Now, why did God tell him to do that? No earthly idea. But God was illustrating his sovereignty his control over all of life. And I need to ask him someday. We see him in heaven. What in the world did the almond branch and the poplar branch stripped of bark have to do with sheep mating before water trough and giving birth to speckled and spotted offspring? You can ask him. I really don't care. But the point is, This is God teaching Jacob. Here's why you're going to prosper, Jacob. Here's why you're going to be a very, very wealthy man. It's not because you came up with a rational plan. Nothing rational about this. You're going to become a wealthy man because I have the power to give you wealth. I am going to control the mating habits of goats and sheep to make you a wealthy man. So the only thing we can say about this story is what we've said about every story in this whole section. The primary point is that God is a sovereign God, and people benefit from the covenant of grace not because of any decision they make, but only because of decisions the Sovereign God makes. So, verse 43 the man, that is Jacob, became exceedingly prosperous and had large flocks, and female and male servants, and camels and donkeys. Verse, uh, chapter 31. Now, in the first uh, 16, 18 verses, Jacob's going to give his testimony wants to testify to the goodness and the sovereignty of God, the protection of God because he's got to convince his wives to leave their daddy and go with him to Canaan. So he wants to give a testimony to them about the goodness and the care of God. So he says this in verse 1. Now Jacob heard the words of Laban's son saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's and, and from what belonged to our father, he has made all his this wealth. So the sons are jealous of Laban, of uh, Jacob. They're angry with Jacob. They're charging with things dishonesty he didn't do. Jacob saw the attitude of Laban, and behold, it was not friendly toward him as formerly. Then the Lord, remember the word Lord and four spiritual uh, four letters, means Jehovah. Then Jehovah said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I'll be with you. Now throughout this 31st chapter, whatever else happens, God talks a lot. We believe in a God who speaks. Remember the title of Francis Schaeffer's book. God is there, and he is not silent. Well, he certainly wasn't silent to Jacob. throughout this whole chapter, he led Jacob every step of the way. He spoke to him, spoke to him in dreams, even spoke to Laban, Uh, spoke to him through the angel of the Lord, who was the second person of Trinity in a pre-incarnate state. And so throughout this whole passage, God is deliberately leading Jacob by his word. And notice that when God speaks to Jacob, He just doesn't give him information. The Bible is not just a book that gives us information. That the the word of God, when God speaks, he gives us himself. Remember what he said in verse 3? The last words, I will be with you. When God spoke to Jacob, he gave him himself. It wasn't just a communication of information. It was real communion. For God speaks to Jacob. Jacob, I'm going to lead you. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to be there. I'm with you. Don't worry about it. I'm with you. That's the heart of the whole covenant. That's the heart promise of what God told Abraham back in Genesis 12 and Genesis 17. I will be with you. Don't worry about it. That's what Jesus said, Matthew 28. I will be with you to the end of the age. That's what God told Mary to name him. Name him Emmanuel. God with us. That's the heart of all the blessings that God bestows upon us on the scripture, in, in the uh, Scriptures. So here, God's speaking to Jacob. He's leading him. He assures him that he's going to be with him. So Jacob sent, in verse 4, and called Rachel and Leah to his flock in the field and said to them, I see your father's attitude. He's not as friendly toward me as he used to be. But the God of my father has been with me. So the God of my father has been with me. It doesn't matter what Laban's going to do to me. It doesn't matter Laban's attitude toward me. It doesn't matter whether he hates me, envious of me, thinks bad thoughts about me. He's talking to his wives. The God of my father has been with me. so I have nothing to worry about. Verse 6, and you know that I've served your father with all my strength. Yet your father has cheated me and chained my wages ten times. However, God did not allow him to hurt me. God's my shield. Even if he wanted to hurt me, he couldn't do it. he spoke thus, the speckled shall be your wages. Then all the flock brought forth speckled. And if he spoke thus, the striped shall be your wages. Then all the flock brought forth striped. Thus, God has taken away your father's livestock and given them to me. I did not do it, Leah and Rachel. This dream, this word from God worked out and Laban came in on the low end of the bargain because God took away your father's livestock because of the way he was treating me. You better not mistreat a child of God. God just might take away all your livestock. And it came about at the time when the flocks were mating that I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream, and behold, the male goats which were mating were striped, speckled, and mottled. And the angel of God said to me in a dream, Jacob, and I said, Here I am. And he said, Lift up now your eyes and see that all the male goats which are mating are striped, speckled, and mottled. For I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I have been watching I have not missed one thing Jacob you're not the one that mistreated Laban Laban was the one that mistreated you and I did not miss a thing and I am a God of justice and a God of mercy and I will not let my people be mistreated verse 13 because I the God of Bethel. Where you anointed a pillar. Where you made a vow to me. Now arise, leave this land and return to the land of your birth. The reason I didn't miss anything and I saw the way he mistreated you, I'm the same God that came to you in the dream about Jacob's ladder at Bethel. You remember that ladder that angels were going up and down it? It was rooted in the earth. It went to heaven and I was at the top of that ladder. God of Bethel, the God who revealed His will to you, I saw what they did to you. You know, that's a great comfort to me. We're often um, mocked, made fun of, Lied about? You ever been lied about? It really hurts to be lied about, doesn't it? When you know good and well that you have not lied, and somebody's telling the whole world that you have, just say to yourself, my God's the God of Bethel, and I have seen everything they've done to you. So... He says, I want you just to get back in the land of Canaan. That's the covenant land. That's the land of promise. Verse 14, and Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, Do we still have any portion or inheritance in our father's house? Went to greatest believers. Are we not reckoned by him as foreigners? For he sold us to you and has completely eaten up our dowry. When he made you work for us one week apiece, he was just selling us like chattel slaves, like cows. We have no reason to trust our daddy. Verse 16. Surely all the wealth which God has taken away from our Father belongs to us and our children. Now then, do whatever God has told you to do. We're going to follow you because we know you're going to follow God. That's a great blessing when a wife says that to her husband. She says to you, I'm going to follow you. You're going to be my head. I'll let you make the decisions. I don't trust you. You're not perfect. You make a lot of mistakes. You're not the wisest guy in the world. But I trust God who put you in my life. Verse 17, Then Jacob arose and put his children and his wives on camels, and he drove away all his livestock, all his property which he had gathered. He acquired livestock which he had gathered in Pandan and Ram to go to the land of Canaan to his father's Isaac. So he's moving out all of his possessions to go back to the promised land where God told him. Verse 19, when Laban had gone to shear his flock, then Rachel stole the household gods that were her father's. How in the world does that come into the picture? Laban, Leah, and Rachel's daddy Household idols in his house. See what happened to him. They will talk about that. And um, verse twenty-two was told Laban, Laban, uh, Laban on the third day that Jacob had fled. Then he took his kinsman with him and pursued him a distance of seven days' journey. And he caught up with him in the hill country of Gilead. God said to Laban, so now God's speaking to Laban. Who's Laban? He's the daddy-in-law. What else is Laban? A worshiper of of false gods that he kept in his house and God speaking to him. God came to Laban. Not only is he speaking to Laban, but God came to him. God came to Laban the Aramean in a dream of the night and said to him, Be careful that you do not speak to Jacob, either good or bad. I don't want you to say anything harmful or discouraging to him or unwise at all. Don't want anything to discourage you on its way to the promised land. Verse 25, And Laban caught up with Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country, and Laban with his kinsmen camped in all the hill country of Gilead. Then Laban said to Jacob, What have you done by deceiving me? You carry away my daughters like uh, like a common thief, like they're slaves, you flee secretly in the midst of the night and you deprive me of celebrating. You deprive me of being able to throw a party, singing and eating and dancing to celebrate my daughters and my children. You didn't allow me to kiss my sons and my daughters. Verse 29, Laban. And it is in my power to do you harm. Yeah. It's in my power. Arrogant. But idolaters are arrogant. It's in my power to do you harm, but the God of your father spoke to me last night and said, be careful what you say to Jacob. I could harm you if I wanted to. I could keep you here if I wanted to. God said, don't harm him in any way, so I guess I won't. And now you have indeed gone away because you longed greatly for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? And Jacob answered and said to Laban, because I was afraid, for I said, lest you would take your daughters from me by force. See, Jacob doesn't know that Rachel stole the gods one with whom you had your God shall not live, Jacob. Not only did I not steal your gods, little gods, Laban, but whoever did it, I'll kill him. Rachel did it. In the presence of our kinsmen, point out what is yours among my belongings and take it for yourself. For Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. So Laban went into Jacob's tent and into Leah's tent and into the tent of the two maids, but he didn't find them. Then he went out of Leah's tent and entered Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the household gods and put them in the camel's saddle, and she sat on them. And Laban felt through all the tent, but didn't find them. Rachel said to her father, Let not my Lord be angry, because I cannot rise before you from having my period. So he searched, but he didn't find the household idols. Now what's the point of these household idols? Well, they could be something just as simple as a rabbit's foot. It could be something just like a good luck charm. It could be that Laban was really an idolater. It wasn't unusual to worship some big god and then worship local gods. This could have been some of the local gods that everybody had idols of in his house. But whether it was just mere superstition or whether it was gross idolatry, Laban shouldn't have had the household idols in his house. So get that rabbit's foot that you got in your pocket. Get that special coin. Get that special hat that you wear when you go fishing because you've always caught fish with it and burn them. Because God does not look kindly. An idolatry or superstition. So, verse thirty-four, almost through. Then Jacob became angry and contended with Laban, and said, "What is my sin that you have hotly pursued me?" Though you have felt through all my goods, what have, I, what have you found of all your household goods? See it here before my kinsmen and your kinsmen, that they may decide between us two. These twenty years I've been with you. Now, notice what he's doing, turning the tables. He's been accused of something he's not guilty of. And now he's turning the tables. He said, I'm not guilty of what you charge me, but I'm going to tell you what you're guilty of. And I'm not going to let it stand. These 20 years I have been with you, your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried, nor have I eaten the rams of your flocks. That which was torn of beasts, I didn't bring it to you. I bore the loss of it myself. You required it of my hand, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. Thus I was by day, the heat consumed me, the frost by night, my sleep fled over from my eyes. These twenty years I have been in your house. I served you fourteen years for your two daughters and six years for your flock, and you changed my wages ten times. Here's the great testimony. Memorize this. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, And the fear of Isaac had not been for me. Surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God has seen my affliction and the toil of my hands, so he rendered judgment last night. Notice what Jacob calls his God. The God of my father. Who is his father? Isaac. And the word God there is Elohim, which is the name for God in the first verse of the Bible, the almighty, all-powerful God who creates something out of nothing, the God of Abraham, the one who entered into this covenant, claimed me and my family down through my generations, who is also the fear of Isaac. That's what Jacob called God. The fear of Isaac. Isaac was his father. Now, why did he call him The fear of Isaac. I think because Jacob never got over what his father and grandfather did on Mount Moriah. And his granddaddy was told by God to kill his daddy. He doesn't look at that with anger. This is a God to be feared. This is a God to be reverenced. This is a God to be respected. And Laban, if the God of my father and the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac hadn't been with me, you could have done with me whatever you wanted. But he was with me. And he saw everything you did, and he has rendered judgment. Then Laban answered and said to Jacob, The daughters are my daughters, and the children are my children, and the flocks are my flocks, and all that you see is mine. What can I do this day to these daughters or to their children whom they have borne? So now come, let us make a covenant. Abraham made a covenant with Abimelech. Isaac made a covenant with Abimelech. Jacob's making the covenant with Laban. These people understood feudalism. Feudalism. You go to school, you go to public school or Christian school, they're going to tell you that feudalism was a terrible thing. And the Protestant Reformation came to this world to do away with feudalism. Feudalism in the Middle Ages caused it to be a dark time. You know what the word feudal comes from? The Latin word for covenant. Feudalism is a society governed by covenants where everybody knows where he stands with everybody else and before the living God. You know what another English word for, covenant, uh, for feudalism is? Federalism. Why do we have a federal government? Because it's a civil government based upon vows and covenants that the the state makes with human beings, citizens, that citizens make with human beings, uh, with uh, with the state. Let me tell you very quickly about John Knox. John Knox's view of politics shaped the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. John Knox said that civil government is based on a series of covenants. First covenant is the covenant between the civil government itself and the people in which the government swears to protect the people in terms of the law of God. Second covenant is a covenant that the civil government makes with God, in which it swears that it will govern only in terms of the will of God. Third covenant is the covenant the make people make with the state, in which they say, "We swear our allegiance to the state." Here's the key in the Declaration of Independence. As long as the state is faithful to its covenants with God and with us. <clears throat> and when it's no longer faithful to its covenants with us, all deals are off. We no longer have any responsibility to keep our covenants with God. So these people understood covenants. They were always making covenants. It wasn't just a theological concept. It was a concept that was essential to life and to harmony between people. And so let me just finish. He says, let's make a covenant here between you and me, Laban and Jacob. And this covenant be a witness between you and me. So Jacob took a stone, set it up as a pillar. We're always doing that. This is going to be a memorial to the fact that a covenant has been made between Jacob and Laban in which we swear to be faithful to each other and not do harm to each other and be faithful to the living God. Verse 46. Jacob said to his kinsman, by the way, that's what a wedding ceremony is. Wedding ceremony has the same effect of piling up a bunch of stones. This is a testimony that is a witness before the living God that we're going to be faithful to each other no matter what. Wedding ceremony is not a worship service. Wedding ceremony is a covenant ceremony. That's the beginning of marriage. Marriage does not begin when you sleep with a woman. Marriage begins when you have a covenant ceremony and you swear before God. You're going to be faithful to each other to the day you die. That's what's happening here. Jacob and Laban are swearing before God. They're not going to hurt each other. They're going to be faithful to God and to each other. Verse 49, Mispi another name for the place where they piled up the stones. For he said, may the Lord watch between you and me when we're absent one from another. If you mistreat my daughters, or if you take wives besides my daughters, although no man is with us, God is witness between you and me. They even said to Jacob, Behold this heap, and behold the pillar which I have set between you and me. The heap of stones is a witness. The pillar is a witness that I will not pass by this heap to you for harm. Not pass by this heap and this pillar to me for harm. This is Laban talking. God of Abraham and the God of Nahor. Laban's still a polytheist. He said, I not only don't make this vow in the name of your God, Jehovah, and the God of Abraham, but also in the God of Nahor, whoever that was. Probably a moon god. I swear by both of their names. God of their father, judge between us. So Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. Polytheism with Isaac, with Jacob, worshipping false gods with Jacob. There's only one true and living God, and any oath he takes, any vow he makes, is only in the name and before the face of that God. Jacob was enough of a Christian also to know that if a covenant's going to have, to have effect, it's got to be based on redemption. And so in verse 54, he says, Then Jacob offered a sacrifice on the mountain and called his kinsmen to the meal. And they ate the meal and spent the night on the mountain. And early in the morning, Laban arose Kissed his sons and his daughters and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned to his place. I appreciate that we've been sitting here a long time. Through. Almost. Now I want you to remember what's going on here. This is normal everyday life. This is the way a Christian lives and thinks. When he makes oaths, he makes oaths only in the name of God, no superstition, no household idols, no good luck charms. Makes vows and no other name, that one name by which and only by which anybody is to be saved. You see a man here in this chapter, Jacob, it's quite a different man than we saw in other chapters. The chapters, he was a deceiver, deniver. Here you got a faithful man. He's a shrewd bargainer. Not to put it lightly, he's a shrewd bargainer. He's outsmarting Laban not dishonestly, but in their dealings with each other. So remember, as you look at this chapter, go back and look at it again. Jacob is a man of faithfulness. Jacob is a man who knows that God is his shield. Jacob is a man who appreciates that if he has any wealth at all, it's because God has chosen to give him that wealth. Jacob is a man who knows that nobody can harm a hair on his head without the will of the fear of Isaac. Let's pray. We thank you, great God, that you, the God of Bethel, God of Abraham, you the creator of the world, of Jacob, our God. Help us, Lord, to always be faithful to whatever you lead us to do and wherever you lead us to go. Say, amen. Let us stand and